Hello everyone, welcome back to A Lot About Nothing, where we discuss a little bit about everything. And uh, today we would be talking about a new technology in the medicinal industry um, called CRISPR. So to get into it straight away, what is CRISPR? So CRISPR is essentially a technology that allows us to edit the DNA of living organisms. And uh, I believe this technology was discovered as a sort of natural defense mechanism that bacteria uses to protect themselves from virus. So you'd have these... Uh, bacteria and when they get attacked um, by a specific virus there's this system within their um, you know protective uh, you know yeah the protective part of the their system that basically um, protects them from this virus sorry I just got a message that distracted me <laughs> and um, Basically, I think the way it works essentially is this CRISPR consists of two parts. So there is the Cas9 enzyme, which is basically like a scissors, right? So you have this Cas9, which is a scissors that cuts the specific part of the DNA that you're interested in. And then the second part of the CRISPR tool is the RNA molecule which basically guides the, the, the Cas9 enzyme, which is the scissors, to the desired location. So you have these two parts of the tool that work together. The, the RNA molecule, which is basically the Google Maps, right? It tells the scissors where to go. And then the Cas9 enzyme, which is the scissors, when it gets to the destination, it chops off the part of the DNA um, that you're interested in. And um, basically, scientists, you know, over the years, um, talking early 2000s, uh, were studying this. I think it was first discovered in the late 1990s. Uh, and then over the past 20 years, there's been a lot of ground that has been made. And then scientists sort of discovered that we could actually reprogram the RNA molecule, which is the Google Maps, uh, to go wherever we want. Right. So obviously, the the bacteria or where CRISPR emerges from, you know, there's a way it works is predetermined, but then we kind of discovered that we could sort of hack or reprogram this molecule and redirect it to any part of the DNA uh, that we're interested in, right? And uh, what scientists were able to do was they were able to change the destination on the Google Maps, the RNA molecule, and when the scissors got there, they would chop off the part of the DNA that they were interested in and they would be able to essentially replace uh, the chopped off DNA with uh, some new instructions, right? Because the way your body would normally work is once uh, a certain part of your DNA has been chopped off, the cell is naturally supposed to repair itself, uh, which would lead back to the original DNA being restored. But in our case, scientists discovered actually, once we chop it off, we could give uh, the DNA some new instructions on what to rebuild um, from the missing parts uh, of the DNA. That's basically, you know, the, the, the 
story of how um, you know it was discovered and a, a bit of technical information on how the technology actually works. So to just recap, you know, you have this CRISPR technology that has two parts. There's a Google Maps, which is the RNA molecule. You put in your location, you get to the location, and then you have the scissors, which is a Cas9 enzyme, right, which chops off uh, the part of the DNA that you're interested in, and then you're able to replace the missing DNA with some new instructions that you want. So that's it, basically, and um, that leads us to the next question, you know. So we have this technology. We can edit genes of living organisms. What does this practically allow us to do? Well, the first thing that I can see is, um, from a medicinal point of view, is we're able to essentially cure all genetic um, ailments or genetic conditions. So you can see things like sickle cell or probably even HIV, some types of cancer, arthritis and, you know, tons and tons of um, genetic conditions uh, can now be cured because we can now literally go into your DNA, you know, program our Google Maps to look for the part of your DNA that instructs whatever sickness it is and then tell our scissors, the Cas9 enzyme, to chop off that instruction and then we replace the instruction um, with healthy uh, healthy instructions for the DNA to rebuild. And I think that's quite powerful if you really think about um, how many people's lives can be improved uh, with the utilization of this technology and um, the amount of difference and the amount of good that we can bring into the world. You know, you have people who are maybe born blind or who have some you know growth syndrome or you know whatever it is you know uh to know that we now have the technology to fix that is quite frankly mind-blowing i think dna you know the genetic diseases have always been nothing in medicine that people once people hear oh it's genetic is like whoops sorry you know no chance for you there buddy uh nothing can be done about it but I mean, you never doubt science. <laughs> you will now have the ability to actually fix those. So it's no longer a no-go zone. Uh, it opens up a massive, massive world of possibilities. So now that we're aware of the technology and, uh, you know, the question begs, so what does our future actually look like, right? What does the future of humanity look like with this technology? And I would say this technology had sort of burst onto the scene, I believe, in 2012. That's when we kind of discovered we could reprogram the RNA molecule, the Google Maps, and uh, we could give new instructions for whatever DNA we wanted to reinsert. So it's been around since 2012, uh, which is just about 11 years now, and it's been developing quite, uh, quite quickly. So in terms of what our future looks like, I personally... I think the first thing that changes is the future of medicine. I think the future of medicine uh, will drastically change because all of a sudden we would be looking at almost basically a one-time pill or injection that would potentially cure all diseases or at least all genetic diseases, right? As far as we know. We're looking at people getting a one-time injection and that's it, boom. You are sorted from XYZ genetic diseases and potentially even 
improve your immune system to protect you from non-genetic diseases right that's probably something that that could be done and um i think with big pharma knowing how you know big industries work if that would be the case i would predict that this uh this medicine or pill or injection or however it is being marketed i believe it will be very expensive right because just think about it imagine everyone gets a one-time pill pop it and that's it you're good for the rest of your life that basically puts big pharma out of business it's like people don't need to be buying medicines day in day out for you know diseases or ailments that they're going through because you know you're pretty much sorted so in order to cash out and to you know basically make money because you know all these things are driven by financial incentives um there'll be a hefty price tag so that these companies can still make the revenue they would have made from the lifetime of one individual were they to fall sick and buy medicine naturally as opposed to taking a one-time pill that cures them forever so i think it would be quite costly um i don't know maybe it would have some rich billionaire philanthropist who would decide to subsidize all of this or maybe the industries themselves just you know make it open source and well the technology is open source and everyone has access to it but in terms of the companies that would sell it uh, at scale um i personally think it would be quite expensive um so talking now that we've spoken around the sort of uh how it would look like from an industry point of view you know what are the actual plausible or possible risks that could emerge from messing around with genes right because we know genes are like the instruction manual for how you're built and how your body is built messing around with that is quite a dangerous ball game because you could flip off one switch and without knowing you've caused damage you know 10 steps down the line right it's like what are the risks with this and um i think there will be a lot of downstream risks that we would not be aware of because you know these things need years and years of prolonged study to understand what the down downstream effects are because uh i mean we every creature alive today is a product of millions of years of evolution and what that means is we have gone through so many trials and tribulation through that journey and our genetic makeup confirms that our current state is the best possible state for survival in this environment right maybe not the best but pretty much as optimal as can be you know uh, given all the variations that evolution has tried uh so i think there'll be a lot of risks that we couldn't see i think a, a good example is sickle cell so we know that the sickle cell trait the s trait um actually evolved because it allowed you know people who lived in areas that had a lot of malaria it made people more resistant so if you had a sickle cell trait then you were more resistant to malaria and then if you had if you're you know if, if you now had double sickle cell trait which is ss um then you would have the sickle cell uh, anemia disease but if you were as um, then you would be more resistant to malaria than someone who wasn't so if you think about sub-saharan africa where malaria is very prevalent probably the biggest killer uh, in that region 
uh, having a sickle cell trait would basically be a blessing, right? So I think that's one very obvious example of how, you know, reversing the work that evolution has done could be quite dangerous. Uh, another example which I heard, uh, I think I was listening to some some talk about CRISPR sometime and the point they made was imagine if we cured everyone from the common flu or the common cold or something along these lines and um, unbeknown, unknown to us, you know, we kind of evolved the propensity to catch the cold flu because it made us more resistant to something like the plague, for example, right? So if if you had the, the gene for being able to catch the flu, then you were more likely to survive the plague or something of that nature, right? We wouldn't know what benefits certain things had until we no longer had them. So personally, I also think this uh, would be very interesting to see at least how uh, scientists are able to determine if they are, you know, what um, emergence risks there are from uh, changing the DNA uh, as it currently stands. Um, I think coming back to the malaria points that I made with mosquitoes, I think a good way to actually remove malaria from the planet would be to actually, instead of changing the genes of humans, why not just change the genes of the mosquitoes themselves so that they are unable to actually carry malaria and then just put them out there in the wild <laughs> so that they could mate. And that way, any future... Uh, offsprings of malaria of of mosquitoes are unable to you know carry malaria and pass it to humans and i think a lot of companies are actually looking into this i'm not sure if the bill and uh, melinda gates uh foundation are already doing something along these lines i think i read somewhere but i think that would be a good way of sort of uh yeah removing malaria but then with that being said who knows maybe mosquitoes need to be able to carry malaria for whatever reason and there could be an effect on the ecosystem and this have this butterfly effect so there's there's still risk uh, from that point of view to the wider ecosystem that we might not be aware of what other applications do we have right so we've spoken around um how it could help humans you know sort of cure disease but what other applications could this technology have right and um I think the next obvious thing outside of curing diseases is having what is referred to as designer babies, right? This is a situation where people can or people would be able to pay to have the genes of their children to be changed to specific traits that they're interested in, right? So, for example, I would say I want my kid to have the gene of being tall, you know, being quite intelligent, of having, you know, brown eyes or brown skin or, you know, long hair or whatever, right? I could, you know, all of this is within my ability if I could pay for it and say, you know, I want my kids to be very intelligent, to have a good sense of humor. I don't know if there's a gene for that. But, you know, anything that could be attributed or any physical attributes, you know, I could you know, uh, pay for my kids to have what I perceive to be the best. And that just opens up a massive kind of one. It's like, where do we draw the line, right? What if I say I want my child to have the heart of uh, Usain Bolt or, you know, some next level marathon runner, or I want them to be built a certain way, you know, it completely flips. I think the order of 
our societies would change if if that were to be the case right um i think another application would be around things like space travel right living in mars so our bodies have evolved and they are adapted to surviving on earth you know in this climate in this environment but we are not designed to survive on mars but with this technology we could easily change our genes to allow us breathe whatever gases there are on mars or allow our muscles to evolve and our bones to evolve for the level of gravity there is on mars and so on and so forth right so you could you could see how this opens up a massive window of possibilities now you could also have situations where people for whatever reason can then also say for example if you know you had bad eyesight and you wanted to get rid of your eyesight people could now have animal genes so someone could say i would like to request for the genetic makeup of the eye of an eagle right or you could want people who want to have the smelling capability of dogs right so i, I don't know how practical that is considering uh you need the complete hardware of the nose of a dog for example to be able to smell like a dog so does that mean if i wanted the nose of a dog i would pay for that gene and would my nose then morph into the nose of a dog or would just the sensory system um behind the skin would that evolve i don't know i don't know how this would play out but definitely i can see a case where people would want certain animal traits in them and all of this would be possible because crispr works for living organisms right so humans animals plants trees bacteria whatever any living genetic um, organism uh, crispr can can be used on um what other applications i think there's a massive existential risk that also comes with a technology like crispr right so we are aware that people have access to the genome of certain deadly viruses right uh, people if you go online i'm sure you could find the genetic makeup of certain very deadly viruses that people can easily download and with a tool like crispr you know there could be some crazy person you know some bad actor who would for whatever reason want to download uh, that genetic makeup and infuse it into a human or release it somehow if they wanted to for whatever reason um, wipe out humanity for example right that's a very realistic uh, possibility right you could also have uh, maybe organizations or countries who have nefarious intentions and they could who knows maybe already pumping iron soldiers right maybe they're already doing uh genetic experiments on humans where you know you have humans who are extremely fast and extremely strong and you know can survive harsh conditions or maybe they're even pumping super geniuses people who are really smart to build the best technology and there's no guarantee that this isn't already happening right the technology is available and research can't really be halted with things like this because once it's out it's out um crispr as i'm aware it's quite cheap and easy to be able to get your hands on the tools that you need to you know chop off parts of dna and reinsert um to be able to do that on scale i think you need a proper facility but like i said if you have a country or a group of people who are really dedicated and really wanted to 
do whatever they wanted to do you know this wouldn't be a blocker you know it would be something that would definitely be happening so a lot of positives but at the same time a lot of negatives um i think there's uh, an ongoing ethical debate on if this technology should be used or if we should continue research on it and so on and so forth um i personally i think it's something that should still be looked into right because you could also make the well, some people can make the ethical argument that well we shouldn't be able to you know change our genes and change what you know god has designed into us for example but then you could also make the same ethical argument on the other side that well is it unethical to have the ability to cure sick people from you know very painful diseases and not do it isn't isn't that just pure wickedness or you know is that ethical to do that so you could argue both sides and i personally i think it's better we have these discussions and have these debates and you know have some sort of rules and guidelines that people adhere to as opposed to just completely turning a blind eye uh onto the technology so uh i guess that's everything i have on this topic um it's a very interesting topic um i would keep looking i would continue to look into it and um continue to see how much i can learn and um i would share any interesting updates or findings um as they come out on this subject so thank you for listening and um i hope you enjoy this speak to you soon